Next on BYUSN, what in the world happened against TCU and are the Cougars in trouble moving forward? Or was it just one game? ESPN's Trevor Maddox answers those questions and what's fixable at the halfway point of the season? And is Texas Tech now a must-win game for a bowl game? We're not stopping with Trevor either. We've got interviews with Taysom Hill and Daniel Sorensen of the Saints. What they think of the Cougars 4-2 start and what it's like playing with BYU teammates in the National Football League. Plus, we'll look back at the wild weekend in the conference ahead of Saturday night's showdown against Texas Tech. This is BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Score, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, October 16th, great to have you. I'm Jerem Jordan. He is group therapy specialist Dave McCann, who did notice we had the, the, the boys and girls of the, the missionaries Dallas in Fort, Fort Worth. Worth, man. Yeah, they were up there in the boondocks, but they were there, and there they are. Uh, what a great moment for them. Uh, not a great game, but a great moment to get together and, and uh, have a little normalcy outside of Mission Live for a couple of hours. You would know this. Yeah. When you were a missionary in San Antonio, you actually went to a BYU-Texas game? Austin was in our area, and the Longhorns hosted the Cougars in 1987. We had been the uh, elders of the university ward on the UT campus for the months leading up to the game. And we had a, a weekly newsletter, and on the yeah. back side in the corner, we always had something. Uh, missionary, it's, I don't know if missionaries talk trash, but if we could, this would be it. <laughs> it would be always at the bottom where, where they'd see this thing, and then, and then, uh, and then BYU beat them. And uh, conversions dropped briefly. For a short <laughs> Tremendously, time. yeah. But BYU beat them. That's awesome. Uh, but we had a great camaraderie with the university students right up until the game. And, and, and then John Covey and those guys came down. Then the following year, Texas came here and BYU beat them again 47-7. Yep. The Cougars have had their number. Yeah. And uh, so as a missionary, week. it's great to go, just like it is for Cougar Nation out in the woods, to have the Cougars come to town and a reason to get together and celebrate life. And it's just too bad that they didn't get a lot to celebrate yeah. about but hey, they're at a football game. It's sweet. Yeah, that's just a couple yeah. hours to just <laughs> relax. You don't have to do anything crazy. I actually went to the student ward this summer uh, when I was in Austin one Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was cool. great. It was fun. Great place. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. do this with a positive attitude and try to get better and learn as much as we can from this experience. Love and learn, baby. The start to that segment was much like how the team started on Saturday. Pick six. A little slow. <laughs> What's trending is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Simple setup here, Dave. Uh, what happened at TCU? You know, it's nice to have a couple of days to, to think about it. Sunday's always a good day after a Saturday where you kind of put some thoughts together. Uh, uh, right off the top, they got beat by a better team. Just at, at every position. They just got flat out beat by a better team. A team that was more prepared, more physical, faster, played harder, all that stuff. Yep. That doesn't mean BYU can't come back and do all of those things. But on Saturday, the better team was, was in purple. I think that surprised us. There's been a resilient group uh, over the course of the season. But they weren't resilient on Saturday. Once they got punched, they got punched again and again. And then, you know, you're a fighter with wobbly knees and it ended pretty quick. It was much over, before, you know, it was over a lot earlier than the, than the game clock indicated uh, at almost every position. I thought that was surprising. Yeah, it, I mean, if you look at it, the game-winning score happened in the first quarter, four minutes and 51 seconds in. 
that TCU did not need any more points after that, which right. is quite disappointing. It was disappointing that BYU didn't compete, that they were outmanned and outgunned. <sighs> BYU's in the Big 12, man. Uh, that, that's a top five team in the league. And despite losing two in a row and despite having a redshirt freshman quarterback in his first start in Josh Hoover, BYU just got absolutely manhandled, and that was disappointing. Hoover, I, I thought they were going to hand off to their top five in the country running back, sure. Imani Bailey, 115 a game, 5.7 a carry. No, they said let's sling it, and BYU certainly gave them the cushion to do so. 37 of 58 for 439 and four touchdowns, two picks. If you told me Caleb Williams or Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix or somebody, BYU is playing them, I would say, well, those might be those numbers for uh, those particular Heisman Trophy candidates. I did not think that Josh Hoover, three-star backup quarterback, Richard Freshman for TCU, would slice and dice the Cougars, but he did. And that's just a real disappointment. Given that this team had been pretty good on defense, um, I would say good, right? Top 25 in stop rate, opportunistic with the takeaways, which they had too, but one of those was, you know, I would argue both of those were kind of after the game had been sort of settled and determined at that point. This wasn't one of those turnover margin games where BYU lost because they were negative or something like Kansas. This was just straight up, you lost. Offensively, really tough, 243 of total O, 11 points. The quarter scoring streak of 17 in a row was snapped, by the way. And the run game, ah, the run game, 2.8 yards per carry, Dave, um, in this game. 2.3 yards per carry is worst in the country. Uh, you know, 60-something a game is second worst in the country. BYU cannot run the ball. This and, was and it is I don't know why. Like, they're not, they're not blocking a fool. And L.J. Martin's doing his best. He's a good player. He's going to be a great player for BYU. If you can't run the rock, yeah. play action doesn't work, and you can't be the BYU that they've been the last couple of years. TCU has a defense that had given up a boatload of yards on the ground to Iowa State and West Virginia. And so... If BYU was to ever fix the run, it seemed like this would be it. After two weeks of preparation to go in and face a team that hasn't been able to tackle. But that maybe that screams volumes about Iowa State's offensive line and West Virginia's offensive line, which is going to Which face we BYU know West Virginia's O-line is good. We yeah. didn't know Iowa State's was. And so they were able to expose that. BYU lines up. Let's go expose that. And the, there's a wall there. And then there was nowhere else to go. Receivers couldn't get open downfield. Quarterbacks under a lot of pressure. All those ingredients of a beatdown uh, by a team that's good. We just thought after two losses that TCU was vulnerable. And after four and one start with BYU, going into a bye week with the chance maybe to get some guys healthy, that it was an optimistic, hey, what if? But I, I, I go back to your point. This is big boy football. And as we watch this game, I found myself thinking two things. One, they're better than us. And two, where are we going to find two more wins to get bowl eligible? When before kickoff, yep. we were thinking seven or eight. Yep. And then just the reality of they're all like this in the Big 12. Yep. And Kansas was like this. Iowa State's like this. Oklahoma, Texas, blah, blah, never mind. All those guys. But they're all like that. Texas Tech is going to watch the same game film. And they're going to come in here going, you know what? We're going to go pound for pound. We think we have better athletes. And... How BYU responds to last week, this week, it's going to be really interesting. The, the vampire kooks need to show up because yeah, it, <laughs> it was a day game and BYU game. stunk. I don't buy completely into it, but again, it's, it's too weird not to look into, you know, this week. 20 BYU's and 1, you have to look at it and go, all right. Right? They're different. 
at night. They, they just are, which brings this topic to, is BYU in trouble or was that one game? I look at the following. Let's play the gymnastics card here. You throw out the high and the low, and that's what you really are. The high is winning at Arkansas. Arkansas challenged Alabama, yeah. um, but Arkansas is 2-5. and five. I, th- That win is good regardless of that, but Arkansas is 2-5. Two, two and five. Then Cincinnati is BYU's second best win. Two and four. It's not going well for those teams. Was BYU a paper tiger through the first five? There's some metrics that would say yes. I would argue I want to see BYU get into November before we really know that. But like you said, in in terms of making a bowl game, you need to beat Texas Tech on Saturday. And then you have opportunities, obviously, at home uh, against Iowa State and at Oklahoma State who beat Kansas. They have now beaten Kansas State and Kansas after losing to South Alabama. Like Oklahoma State is not as maybe as winnable of a game as we thought. This is the Big 12. This is Power 5 football. It took Utah a couple of seasons. They were 5-7, and seven, two of the first three years in the Pac-12. BYU got out to a strong start. They will make a bowl game, but you certainly need certain elements of what BYU is doing to be better. But holistically, there are two wins out there. BYU will make a bowl game still. But after this one game, again, I don't want to freak out after one game, but is it a hint, like Oregon was last year, of, ooh, there are issues here for BYU? I would argue, yes, BYU is flawed. There's issues, and they're thin, and Ben Bywater announcing today that that he's not coming back. He's going to have shoulder surgery. They got more thin. Harrison Taggart's played great, but what about after him? And what about after him? And slowly... Uh, it's re- you get revealed. Yep. Um, the 21 kids that came in the portal might not be enough uh, to get through the season. I-, I think the concern for me is we're six games in and there's so little creativity on offense. And we'll ask Trevor Maddich about that coming up. But how do you, when you can't get guys open, what do you do to get guys open? Yeah. You got athletes, they can all catch. You got a big offensive line, they block most of the time. You have yep. a six foot six tight end who's been able to catch in the past. If it's not working, it can't just be the running back. We can't run, so we can't do anything. That's what's on Aaron Roderick this week and and the offensive staff of, all right, we got exposed by TCU. Uh, We're going up against athletic teams the rest of the way. I mean, look at some of these plays. What are we doing to get creative on offense? It can't just be an end around to Kingston. There's got to be something to the philosophy of, you have a quarterback who's thrown for over 11,000 yards. Let him throw it downfield. Um, can't get guys open downfield. Let him throw five-yard hitches. Somehow, and, and I'm not sure. the expert. He's the expert, sure. and, and those guys are. But, but as we look at six games, we go, where's the firepower? Where's the creativity? And, and yeah, there was a hamstring with Epps. Okay, there was Hill banged up coming out of the gate. All right, but there's still enough guys. Yes, that receiving core plus Isaac Rex is really good. Yeah. Um, and, and they weren't able to, led by Chase Roberts, clearly the number one. For BYU now, and they found him a couple of times, and uh, you know, 39 yards on a fourth and five at midfield was a huge play in that game. Think about Arkansas. Kingston throws a 35-yard touchdown pass. No one sees that coming. Yeah, we, we got to get some things that no one sees coming. T- TCU saw everything coming. It seemed on Saturday. Yeah, th- this felt like 08, man. Different circumstances yeah. in terms of quest for perfection or not, but it was just like. Oh. Man, to not compete in a game, like if you told me BYU lost 44-11 at Texas or to Oklahoma at home, that's one thing. TCU is in a different sphere. They're in kind of tier two in the league. That was a bummer. Kind of an enigma because they were in the national championship game last year. It wasn't a fluke. Sure. Lost a lot of guys, but it was, but 
They didn't get there because of six guys. They got there because their whole team was good. Right, and they lost a lot and whatnot. But TCU clearly, like 12 years into the Big 12, is on an, in another up. sphere uh, compared to BYU. But, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. But BYU gets after it against Texas Tech this Saturday. And then Vampire Cougs Vampire might come Cougs. out, man. It is October. I mean, we go back to this theme all the time now of games that matter after <laughs> losses in a conference. This is these, these matter. Oh, and, and even leaving after getting whooped on Saturday, it's like we're in the, we're, we're in the show. We're in the Big 12. We Every wanted week this. matters. We wanted this. Um, and, yes, uh, and here we are. And so it's, it's going to come with some lumps. But you can, yeah. you can counterpunch. Yeah. And Saturday Get has to be a counterpunch. It, it, like, losing at TCU, not a huge deal. Losing 44-11, will, that, will BYU lose multiple games? Was it more than one loss on Saturday? We hope not, right? Yeah. It's time for our Monday mailbag where you ask questions. We're trying to answer them on the show. Uh, a bunch of you have sent in some great ones. Let's get to them. Bryson Denny on Instagram. Is the game versus Texas Tech a must-win game to feel comfortable for bowl eligibility? What do you think? It feels like it. It feels like it. Uh, looking down the road, uh, remember back in August, it was like, well, West Virginia, they're picked last. That's a win. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, they're not, there's no givens. Um, and quite frankly, there's no given defeats either because anything can happen. BYU was underdog against Texas every single time they played Texas in school history. They did have an NFL uh, running back and <laughs> quarterback. They had like some that guys. kind of helps there. But at the time, we, we weren't sure they were going to be NFL guys. <laughs> right. We just knew they were our best players. Right. Um, but uh, I, there aren't any givens there, and so it's got to be a dogfight every time out. And, and the fight, and Kalani said it after the game, they just didn't have the fight. He didn't use those words, but they didn't have the intensity, sense of urgency. Why not? All that stuff right from the start. I have no yeah. idea why. Yeah, and, and obviously that's Kalani's job to create yeah. and, and induce that uh, performance. But doesn't it feel like... Uh, I think so. If you're 5-2 yeah. and two going to Texas, that's so much different than 4-4 four and four coming home from Texas. I would argue Texas Tech is the most winnable game on the schedule left for BYU. It's at home. It's almost at that 6 p.m. mark, but it is in the... Uh, second nighttime. Half will be dark. Yeah, second half will be dark, kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, um, and the way that Iowa State played against TCU at home, you know, you got to show up. David Talbot on Facebook. I'm having Oregon flashbacks. Mm -hmm. What indications are there that this team won't fall apart after this blowout, like they did last year when they were 12th in the country and went up there and got thumped? That is a good question that I think will be answered in the game Saturday. Um, it's hard to know right now to say, yep, this team's losing four in a row. Just like I, I can't make that statement. I also can't say they'll win four in a row. But, uh, game... but you can bank on them putting out a better effort. Absolutely. I, I think at home, um, at night, BYU is going to play different for whatever reason. But Texas Tech, for those who missed it, um, uh, uh, Texas Tech backup quarterback got knocked out of the game. And right. Jake Strong came in, a highly touted four-star freshman, threw three picks. And Kansas State uh, had their backup freshman play, uh, Avery Johnson, not the basketball player. He had five rushing touchdowns off the bench. Like, crazy performance. Texas Tech certainly flawed, but we thought TCU was too. Yeah. And had a backup One quarterback. Thing we know, there are athletes all over this game. Yes, and they're those good, athletes man. will run you over. The same New Mexico, Wyoming, uh, <laughs> you know, Air Force showing up. Like, Although Wyoming was, beat Texas Tech in Laramie, yes, that's they did. the model. And Air Force is good this year. Yeah. Outplay them. And beat them on a, on a given night. Air Force beat Wyoming on Saturday, by the way. They're yeah. aggressive social media, if you missed it. Uh, <laughs> BYU for Trey on X. What does BYU need to do to start faster? It's been three straight weeks of looking pretty bad out of the gate. Yeah, that's, that's such a strange thing. Establish the run is what I would say, but I don't I'd like feel to see super confident in, in that piece of the offense. Series of short passes. It's more important to get, LJ, or to get Keaton in a groove than LJ. 
because when the quarterback's in the groove, all, all the yeah. options are on the table. Yeah. He was not in a groove at all on Saturday. Um, even the touchdown drive had a, a freak play to Chase Roberts, and he was phenomenal just to get down the field. Yeah. There was never just a march. Keaton never felt, looked right. Um, get him in a groove is priority number one, I think. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, I, I would love for BYU to suddenly become this good rushing offense team. In fact, I don't need them to be good. I just need them to be mediocre. Because right now, this is the, one of the worst rushing offenses BYU has ever had. And it's tough to watch because we think BYU has the guys to do it. Yeah. And they've shown us that they aren't doing it. Um, so hopefully the back six, they'll find some improvement there. And then that opens up play action. Now the offense looks and feels very different. If BYU can get four yards per carry, it changes a lot. They're getting two-point who cares? Because it's not good enough right now. I don't like that sneak. I don't like that sneak either. Like the Eagles run to perfection. Yeah, yeah we don't run that to perfection. The brotherly shove. Yeah, which the, is the my brotherly push, shove back. Push. It was the brotherly shove back, <laughs> and that didn't go very Shoot. well either. Dang Continue it. to weigh in on uh, X, Facebook, and Instagram on a Mailbag Monday. Join us for Coordinator's Corner. It's going to be another interesting show. There's a lot to yeah. talk about. Defensive Coordinator Jay Hill and Special Teams Coordinator Kelly Papinga join Spencer Linton talk about TCU and Texas Tech. It's today at 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app. I love hearing from these guys. They're straight up about what's going on. Great insight. Check it out. Trevor Maddich coming up. What happened Saturday versus TCU? What's fixable in the back half? He always tells it, how's it how it is. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We showed you literally every highlight from the BYU side of the TCU loss, 44-11. Didn't take long. On Saturday, it was about 15 seconds. Unfortunately, there weren't as many as we wanted. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan, Dave McCann in Studio B. Let's break it all down. We just told you what we thought in the last segment. Now it's time to talk to ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Honey, Maddich Monday. Hi, Trev. How you doing, man? Well, good morning. I'm doing great, except not. Yeah, it was a tough Saturday. BYU did not compete uh, hardly at all against TCU. What did you see and what stuck out from Saturday's loss? Well, it starts with this. TCU uh, came to play. TCU has outstanding players. They're a lot better than people think, even though they lost a lot of guys from last year's run to the national championship game. They did a good job of replacing those guys in the transfer portal. So this was a, a, a serious, legitimate team. So we start there. And then BYU started really slow. And on top of that, BYU was depleted in the secondary especially. So I think in some ways we need to, at this point, stop and make sure that we give them some grace. Because when you look, for example, at the, the safety position, I mean, they, they came into the season depleted at safety because of preseason injuries. And then they had more injuries and more and more. And in this game, they played about half a game with a converted wide receiver. And TCU took advantage of that. I mean, take a look at take a look at the the Rose Bowl from two years ago, Utah against Ohio State, and, and Utah had so many injuries at corner that they had a running back lineup at corner, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, Buckeyes receiver, had over 300 receiving yards that game. Well, th there comes a time when it actually does matter when you have so many guys hurt at the same position, and all those things sort of added up to a perfect storm for BYU against TCU. Trevor, is 
BYU in trouble here, or do you think Saturday was just a, a bad day? Well, I think there's a little bit of both in there. Saturday was a bad day. But when you look at the, you know, the, the rest of the season as it unfolds, the way for BYU to win games, and again, right now, for fans, the first goal here is to get to six, and they've got four right now wins. The, the way for them to get it is to play more cleanly with fewer mistakes and better execution than the opponent because they're going to face a lot of opponents that have, that have just more depth of talent than BYU does at this point because of recruiting. Uh, they've been recruiting in the Big 12 for decades. BYU now is, is getting started in that. And then injuries for BYU. So, so that's how they need to be competitive. Right. And right now they're not playing as cleanly as they need to play as they can play, because all we can ask of them is to maximize their capacity, to maximize their potential. And right now, I don't think they're they're near there. Previous to Saturday's game, if BYU was winning the turnover margin, they were winning the game. This was not the case. This was an even margin. Obviously, the pick six to start on the opening possession does not help. But BYU was outmanned and outgunned. So moving forward, is there a game where BYU f you feel like BYU uh, will continue to uh, compete? We hope Saturday, right? But at Texas and against Oklahoma, you hope for competition at least, right? Yeah, Saturday is, is big because Texas Tech is coming to town. And whereas TCU was working on their backup quarterback because of injury, it looks like Texas Tech is coming in with their third-string quarterback. Yeah. So it looks like BYU should have a big advantage at that position. We'll, we'll see how things shake out. But remember that this Texas Tech team took Oregon to the limit earlier in the season. And Oregon is a legitimate top six or seven team. I mean, Oregon is, is fantastic. Texas Tech stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And so this will be a tough one. And then as you look through the rest of the schedule, uh, especially on defense, the teams that they're facing are really strong. I mean, we know about Oklahoma and Texas's offenses. But from a defensive standpoint, Iowa State is third in the Big 12 in terms of yards allowed. Iowa State is is second in, or excuse me, points allowed. They're second, and West Virginia is fourth in the Big 12 in terms of yards allowed. So you're looking at team Texas Tech, by the way, is fifth in sacks in the Big 12. So you're talking about future opponents that rate really well statistically in terms of not just their offense, but their defense. And so this is a very important game. I wouldn't necessarily call it a must-win for BYU to get to six, but it's a very important game for that quest. Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. Keaton Slovis had a tough day on Saturday. He was the first to admit it on our post-game show uh, afterwards. Uh, if you are the offensive coordinator for Saturday night against Texas Tech, what are you doing on the first two possessions to get Slovis in a groove to where He's comfortable, and then everyone else follows suit. I am scheming to get guys open. I mean, as I as I do breakdowns on uh, some of the best teams in the country for Sports Center and uh, College Football Live and things like that on ESPN, I, I'm I'm taking deep dives into what these guys are doing. One that I did last week on Washington's offense uh, showed how creative they are at the short passing game. Arizona did the best job of anybody at slowing Washington down. They did it by backing everybody out. So they took away that deep pass. And then it wasn't just throwing checkdowns and bubble screens that Washington did. They had, for example, screens. They had a whole bunch of different kinds of screens that would hit different points of attack. They used different combinations of blockers. One of them, they didn't even throw the screen. They got to it with a jet sweep. 
but it amounted to a screen. All kinds of different creative ways to, to spring guys and get them into a position where they have an advantage at the point of attack. I did the same thing with Oregon's offense and, and showed a couple of plays where uh, from their pick menu. In other words, they have all kinds of, of picks. These are legal if you do it correctly. And one of them was crossing routes where they had two guys crossing to set the pick. It was man coverage, so there were two defenders there. And all four of those guys made a wall about three yards deep that the receiver, intended receiver, was able to rub his guy off on. It was fantastic. Another Oregon pick wasn't on crossing routes. It was vertical. It was a vertical pick where they had guys running down the sideline, setting a pick down the field. It was fantastic. It was creative. It schemed to get individual guys open, and it was executed at a high level. These are the kinds of things that BYU's offense needs to do in order to maximize the potential that they have. Regarding the run game, and you addressed certain elements of what BYU could do in that, and the lone touchdown was a jet sweep to Keelan Marion from three yards out. BYU is second uh, worst in the country in rush yards per game, 67.5. That would be fine if they were throwing for 300 a game. They are not at the moment. And then if you throw out total per game because teams uh, rush a different amount every game, BYU's last in yards per carry. We're six games in, Trevor. BYU has shown us what they are. At what point do you uh, abandon f sort of preseason philosophy regarding the run game and go a different direction to try and open up the offense in some way? Well, the run game kind of is what it is at this point. But you can't not run. You have to continue to do something to make the defense respect it. Part of the reason is that play-action pass has to work. And so there, there's got to be some modicum of, of a run threat. I think that being creative there is important too. BYU uh, has some athletic guys that you can use in pulls and things like that. But they need to figure out what those linemen can do best and then call run plays to make those kinds of things happen. But really, it's the passing game that's going to have to carry the team. And this is where execution comes in. I mean, on the pick six uh, the, that started the game against TCU, as I looked at that, I saw, you know, it was multiple shallow crosses. And I saw Isaac Rex line up on the right as a wide receiver and come across on a shallow cross. And there was another receiver on the on the other side, on the, on the, on the left. Rex was on the right, coming to the left. Receiver lined up on the left went upfield, and if he came right across, right behind Rex, he would have picked off Rex's guy. Rex would have been wide open on that play. Instead, the receiver on the left kind of bent it upfield a little bit so that he wasn't in position for a pick. Now, maybe he was coached to do that, but, you know, I, 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 he, they missed an opportunity there. But then it was man coverage. And when the ball came his way, the receiver on the left found that his defender was right in front of him. And instead of ducking in front of that defender, cutting him off so that the receiver's body was between the ball and the defender, the receiver just stopped. You don't stop on a crossing route on man coverage. You stop on zone coverage. When you sit between the zones, when you get to the other side of the field, if it's man coverage, you keep running. And you can't allow that defender to be in front of you when the ball comes. And so this, I'm not saying that that play is why they lost the game. And it turned into a pick six because the receiver wasn't where the quarterback thought the ball was going to be when he threw it under pressure. I'm not saying that that play lost the game. What I'm saying is that the execution is a real head-scratcher because if he was coached to do those things, I've got to wonder why. And if he, he was coached to do it the way I described it, which is what most teams do, then why didn't he do it that way? And how can he be coached to do it better the next time? This is where BYU needs to improve. 
precise execution on creative plays. And so when you talk about the running game, I don't think you're going to do a lot to improve the running game. But there is a lot of improvement in terms of creativity and especially execution available to them in the passing game. And the next challenge is Texas Tech Saturday night on homecoming at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Trevor, we appreciate the keen insight and honesty always. Have a great week, man. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. BYU is one of only two teams with 10 or more rushing touchdowns that average below three yards per carry. It's like a, they, they've been able to score touchdowns in spite of that in the run game, but it's just frustrating that through six, and it, you are what you are at this point, uh, there's not going to be this massive change, you'd think, but you can't run the ball effectively. So what do they do against Texas Tech to sort of get out of that? We have yet to see a 400-yard total offense game, Dave. Seems like this is a big week for the coaches to fix some things that can be fixed. Uh, they're going to earn their money this week. And for the guys to rise up after getting knocked around. I, and it'll be a very interesting response on Saturday night. BYU football with Kalani Sitaki is coming up tomorrow night. The coach and a player will sit down with Greg Rubel. And our live studio audience starts at 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. After the break, Ben Bywater out for the season. How big of a loss is that? Plus, Puka Nakua is compared to which Ted Lasso character? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jeremy. He's Dave. Let's get to today's headlines. Cougars on the men after a 44 to 11 defeat at TCU. Frogs outgained the Cougs 584 yards to 243. <sighs> Tough one for Keaton Slovis. Career lows in completion percentage and QB rating. TCU's redshirt freshman Josh Hoover 439 yards and four touchdowns. His first career start. Up next, the homecoming game against Texas Tech Saturday night. Two additional pieces of football news this morning. BYU linebacker Ben Bywater on KSL radio show announcing that he'll have shoulder surgery and is done for the season. Huge loss for a Cougar that's been the leading tackler the last two years. And uh, we're waiting, and we should learn any time now, the kickoff time with BYU at Texas a week from Saturday. Could it be at night? Let's hope so. Cougars in the NFL, part one, Zach Wilson, 19 of 33, 186 yards passing, 15 rushing yards, and a Jets 20 to 14 win over the Eagles. That was a good one. Mm -hmm. Fred Warner, seven tackles, pass breakup, interception, and the Niners' surprising loss, 19-17 to the Browns. Puka Nakua had four catches for 26 yards, and a Rams 26-9 win over the Cardinals. And Tyler Algier had 13 carries for 51 yards, and the Falcons 24-16 loss to the Commanders. Is this Camelot of Cougars in the NFL? Is this like as, as good as it's Where's that round table at? Taysom Hill, seven receptions, 49 yards for the Saints. They lost to the Texans. He needs more touches with the football. Kyle Van Noy with a sack and a pass breakup for the Ravens. Good to see Kyle tweeting and playing. Chris Brooks, six carries, 28 yards for the Dolphins. He got banged up there at the end. Not sure the significance of that injury. Michael Davis tonight under the lights, the Chargers and the Cowboys. He's got a chance to pick off Dak Prescott a number of times. Number nine, women's volleyball beat Texas Tech on back-to-back -back nights. Five-setter Friday, a sweep Saturday to move to 16-3, and 5-2 and two in league play. Cougars led by Whitney McEwen-Larinus, 25 kills over the two nights. That's a lot for a middle blocker. 
Up next, BYU's at home. Two big ones against number 25 Iowa State Thursday and Friday on ESPN+. Number eight women's soccer at Oklahoma tonight. Final road game of the regular season. BYU is five points behind Texas Tech for first place in the Big 12. So they need a win and a little help to grab at least a share of the regular season title. You can watch it tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN+. Yeah, need to get a win there. Let's go. Number three men's cross country took second place at the Nutty Comb Invitational on Friday in a rainy race in Wisconsin. Creed Thompson took 10th place overall. Joey Noakes 13th to lead BYU. Up next, the Big 12 Championship scheduled for October 28th in Ames, Iowa. Number six women's cross country won the XC23 Pre-Nationals in Virginia. BYU's top five runners all finished in the top 10 with Carmen Alder finishing first. Only one other school had two runners in the top 10. Big 12 championships up next. Eager to see when the new poll comes out, how high the Cougars will jump. Yeah, both were number three, uh, you know, walking in, number six in one poll for women's cross country. Pretty cool. And both men and women swim and dive lost a dual meet with TC over the weekend. Cougars performance highlighted by Jordan Tiffany, who broke the school record in the 100 meter butterfly. Well done. To we take Jordan. a break from TCU. <laughs> yeah, enough. we're done after this week for a minute. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. How big of a loss is linebacker Ben Bywater? Been out the last couple of weeks, so BYU's been playing without him with uh, Harrison Taggart primarily there. It is a loss for, as you mentioned, the guy who's led the team in tackles the last two years. Big time playmaker, 15 and a half tackles for loss, a gajillion tackles, the pick six, of course, against New Mexico in the bowl game, huge play. It's tough, man, and uh, I would guess that he's probably done at BYU and headed to the NFL. When you lose your leader like that, it's tough all the way around. And he yeah. was missed on Saturday as BYU yeah. trying to chase around. Does BYU win if Ben Bywater's in that game? No, no. but they certainly compete better. Uh, yeah. Tough. BYU's 36th in the country in men's hoops, and Ken Palm, preseason metrics, good enough for eighth best out of the Big 12. What do you make of this? I'm not sure. I like it. You know, that, <laughs> Let's league, go. that league is so yeah. brutal. We're going to show you the AP poll out today in just a moment. Um, you know, 8 of 14 in basketball. That's probably higher than most people think. I mean, the conference media poll came out and they were picked 13th. Um, that kind of is where most of us thought they would start. It's going to be an interesting climb. And then Mark Pope's talked about climbing Mount Everest. And we're all going to take that journey together. And, and when you get to the top, it's going to be really satisfying. But right now, we're, we're looking straight up. The top, I'd just like to get a Sherpa and get up there somewhere, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, if BYU could be 36th and 8th at the end of the season, that would be crazy higher than I, I think. Uh, but, I, hey, I'll take it right now. Yeah, why it's not? Okay. It's okay. It's preseason, whatever. <laughs> All right, the uh, Rams continue to uh, show their love for Puka Nakua. Yesterday, they posted a side-by-side -side photo of Puka. We're going to show it to you. And uh, Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso. Uh, is this the perfect comparison with Puka? You're it kind you're of is expert here. Yeah, I, I love Ted Lasso. Pretty good. Football is life. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think so. The the comportment, the demeanor, the behavior. Puka is a fun-loving guy, smiling all the time. Danny Rojas always is as well. It's great. Um, until he hit the dog with a penalty kick, then he was very sad, right? He's like, he said football is death as well. But uh, yeah, all good. The preseason AP poll is out for men's hoops. There are four Big 12 teams, five total opponents in it. Uh, Kansas at one, Houston at seven, San Diego State non-con 17, Texas 18, 20 with Baylor. Has it sunk in how tough the schedule is? I, I don't think so. I think it's gonna, I see it to believe it, just like we saw last Saturday and starting to believe it in football that, uh, 
this we're is a feeling it now, right? Yeah. yeah, this is going to be a hard, tough journey. I love that San Diego State 17th will be at the Marriott on a Friday night, and we'll we'll be all over it on ESPN Plus and here on BYU TV. Um, hey, yeah, let's bring a ranked team in out of conference and see what happens. Yeah, just add them on. What's what's he have 400 pounds of weight on the bar? Well, might as well be 500. Whatever. That's right. There's always room for another chicken wing, even if you're stacked. Just bring some, bring some Bo more. Boneless chicken wing guy or no? Oh yeah, if, if you can. Bon yeah, I'm boneless available. guy as well. Yeah, I'm not a purist like uh, bone-in guy. <laughs> After further review is back tomorrow as we break down TCU, and uh, we'll show you what happened. Blame founder Brian Logan will explain why and how it could have gone differently and all that stuff. Um, we'll teach you about the game. Plus, we'll preview Texas Tech Tuesday night, 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. Spencer went to the Saints-Texans game yesterday, talked with Taysom Hill and Daniel Sorensen. Those conversations are coming up after the break as BYU Sports Nation continues on BYU TV and BYU Radio. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to Reaction Monday after BYU lost to TCU. Here I'm Jordan alongside Dave McCann here on BYU Sports Nation. Well, Spencer didn't feel like he did enough interviews in the postgame show, so he and the crew drove four hours to Houston and went to the Saints-Texans game and talked to Daniel Sorensen and Taysom Hill. We begin with his conversation with Mr. Everything, Taysom Hill, after the game yesterday. Taysom, it's always nice to catch up with you in the state of Texas. And uh, albeit after a tough BYU weekend at TCU, and and you guys fall short against the Houston Texans, but overall, how's how's the NFL season been for you and the Saints to this point? Man, every, everything's been really good. I, I've I've had a ton of fun, you know, playing in the NFL in the, in the city of New Orleans, and um, this particular season, I you know, we've had a few tough losses, um, but overall, look, we've we've got a really good team, and we just got to find a way to win these close games. I couldn't help but think and rewind to 2013 when you were here with BYU playing against Houston in a game that you ran for over 100 yards in and passed for over 400 yards in. What's it like to be back in this stadium where that happened? I mean, it's it's a little surreal. You know, I think you have moments in college where you get to come and play in NFL venues and stadiums that, you know, makes it a little bit different and special. And, you know, I think as a college player, you're always, hey, I'm hoping to get to the NFL and then, I have the opportunity to come back in a stadium having played here in college and then to, to look back at the last seven years. It's a little surreal and you know I think sometimes you have to take a step back and, and uh, really appreciate the process and, and how things have gone and uh, it's, it's been a fun week for that. You do so many things for the Saints. Have they given you a designated position? If so, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, look, it's been quarterback since I got here a couple of years ago. They said, hey, we're going to say you're a tight end. And then, you know, this year I think I showed up on the QB depth chart again. So, um, look, I'm, I'm just here and, and happy to be part of the team. And, look, we got a, a great staff that I'm, I'm grateful has created a lot of opportunities for me. And, um, man, I look forward to every one of them, frankly. Seven catches today. How do you feel about being a primary receiver in, in this instance? Uh, look, man, I had so much fun today. Uh, this was this was a little unique, and uh, I felt like I was going to have a few more opportunities today. Um, and man, it's 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 a little bit new and, and different for me. But uh, man, I love just being out on the field with my guys and having opportunities to affect the outcome of the game. Daniel Sorensen gets elevated from the practice squad. Jamal, Daniel, Taysom, all together on the Saints. What's that like to have that BYU tie there with three guys? 
Uh, so much fun. Uh, you know, we, we've all played together, and uh, to see see those guys in the locker room is, is so much fun. And, again, I think it's one of those moments where you kind of take a step back and you're like, hey, we're all here. And um, I made a joke to to our GM about, like, hey, we need more BYU guys here, you know. And he said, hey, we love it, but except our average age on our team goes way up. Uh, but it's been a ton of fun. Now, you in the state of Texas holds a special place in the hearts of BYU fans, whether it's playing here in Houston or in Austin. BYU's going to be in Austin in a couple of weeks. What advice would you give to the guys about playing well against the University of Texas? Yeah, look, I, I think I, I've always loved going on the road, playing in hostile environments. And, it, you know, after seven years in the NFL and, and playing five years at BYU, it all boils down to really two things, in my opinion, about playing this game. And you got to play with energy and emotion, you know, and if you, you take the field and you do that, you're going to have an opportunity every week. And that's the type of the team BYU is, you know, they, they take the field and they're going to have opportunity to win. Um, and it's about doing all the little things with, with energy and, and emotion. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the Cougs. I know you've got passionate fan bases behind you with the Saints, certainly with BYU. What's your message to BYU fans as Cougars push through the Big 12 and, and you continue your NFL career? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's really fun to be a part of a fan base that you feel a lot of love in. You know, so I, I think, you know, I, you're, you're asking me all these nostalgic questions. <laughs> you know, I, I think there have been moments in my career, in my life, where you kind of take a step back and and you look at how things have, have happened, and I always feel so much gratitude. But, you know, I think part of that is because I've been a part of such loyal fan bases. I've been a part of teams and fans that really embrace who you are and, and what you're doing, and I've certainly felt that in New Orleans, and I've felt that at BYU. And um, so it, it just boils down to, you know, gratitude, and, and we all appreciate it. Taysom, your class act. So glad things are going well for the NFL. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. It's good to see you guys. Thanks to Spence and Taysom. Yeah, of course they'd be nostalgic. That's, yeah. how, we, that's how we roll, right? That's how we roll. <laughs> the best play Taysom's made uh, as of late is watching him chase his boy around uh, the country club, uh, just having the time of his life. And, and uh, you know, he's taken a lot of hits. He's made a lot of great plays. He's handled himself in highs and lows the way that you would hope anybody would, uh, let alone a BYU quarterback, which is in the spotlight so much more than, than most. Yep. He's just... He's just first class. 42.6 mil uh, earned so far, contracted for 62.6. So right. life's good sure. in the Hill household in New Orleans Should and be with that. in Provo. One time I went to a sacrament meeting in New Orleans, and it was the same sacrament meeting that the Hills were at. Oh, yeah. So Taysom was like, what are you doing here? He's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing a rugby game, whatever. Uh, Daniel Sorensen, also on the Saints, did not play in the game yesterday, but uh, he was sitting at home a couple weeks ago. He's back in the NFL. A lot of experience for Daniel, a Super Bowl champ as well. Here's uh, Daniel Sorensen with Spencer. Danny, you and I were just talking about some memories that we had BYU 10 years ago playing against Houston in this stadium. Obviously a different feel in the NFL, but what's it like to come back and, and think about those games you play with BYU, specifically in NRG Stadium? Yeah, um, I've got great memories here because up until today, I think I've, I've won every time I've played in here, but uh, it's a great environment. I remember playing in that Houston game um, against Houston and it just being electric, a back and forth game, a battle that came down to the, you know, last plays. And that's what it came down to today. You know, had an opportunity and, um, you know, tight games like this, it's just about making one more play than the opponent. We came up short today, but um, no, the energy, the fans, um, the team, it was a, it was a hard fought battle. 
What's the last month and a half been like for you? Yeah, um, it's just been, you know, having to have a lot of patience, right? Um, you know, things were out of my control. Uh, but what I could control was being focused, being ready for when, you know, your opportunity comes. You know, my that first game, BYU's first game at home was my first game as a spectator in the stadium. I had never watched the game in Lavelle Edwards Stadium ever. Um, you know, obviously I played, right? Uh, but never was in the stands. So that was a unique experience for me. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that, you know, if I had an opportunity, I still love the game. And, and uh, so being back here is great. You know, trying to pick up where I left off and trying to make the most of it. Very, very cool that you get to play this game on the same NFL team with not one but two BYU teammates. I know Jamal Williams is yeah. still on injured reserve, but Taysom Hill's in the locker room with you. What's that like to have those guys with you? It's awesome. I mean, that's why you love this game, right, is, is the guys you get to hang out with in the locker room and spend time with and, and to spend time with guys that you know, I played with. This is like 11, 12 years ago. I mean, because this is my 10th year in the NFL, and, and we played back in 2012, 2013 together. I mean, that's, that's knowing, you know, knowing your teammates for a long time. They talk about the band of brothers, right, the, the relationship and friendships that you, that you build um, in college. And, and now we get to extend those and, and enjoy those even in the NFL. It's, it's, it's special, you know. Uh, it's, and they had great careers themselves, you know. And, and so it's a testament to, to, you know, to both of those guys as well that they've, they're still playing well. And hopefully Jamal gets back out there and we can, you know, we can keep this thing going. All right, a couple questions about BYU to wrap up. Yeah. As you watch the Cougars venture through the Big 12, uh, it's, it's been up and down for sure. Um, but what advice would you give to those guys as they step up level in competition and they got to work through a Power 5 conference? Yeah, um, something that I was told young in my career is adapt or die, right? So new challenges, new opportunities, you know, they're, they're going to have to learn how to adapt to a, a, a full schedule playing week in and week out, tough opponents. You know, you've got to adapt and rise to the occasion. Um, and I think they will, and I know they will. Um, they've got a great group of players, well coached, um, they bring great energy to all their games. And so you know, it's about adapting to the speed, ab adapting to the new teams that they're playing, right? Maybe not as familiar with, um, but, you know, I believe that, you know, you know given, given the opportunity, they're going to rise to the occasion. You know a thing or two about beating Texas. You did it in 2013. BYU's back in Austin in a couple of weeks. So do you have any specific advice for this BYU football team as they take on the Longhorns in Austin? Yeah, I, I remember, um, you know, the environment. I think it's like 101,000 fans. I mean, it's all the burnt orange and stuff like that. But once that whistle blows, it's, you know, it's football, right? So not, not to get kind of caught up in, you know, you know let's say the – how big the, the game might be or seem, um, but, you know, just go out there and play ball, you know. They're, they can compete. They've got great talent, great ability, and, uh, you know, I best wish them the best of luck. Daniel, great to see you back with the New Orleans Saints. We appreciate the time, man. Good luck pushing forward. Yeah, thank you. Daniel Sorensen, awesome correction, did have four snaps in yesterday's game. So it's cool that he is still in the NFL. Awesome. Like he is still kicking, super vet there, and has, has seen in just about everything. Fantastic. We wish him a healthy rest of the season. BYU Sports Nation's hitting the road. You got your bags packed? Literally. I'm going go. from here to the airport. After. Big 12 basketball meetings. The show will be live in Kansas City. Hey. Starting tomorrow, Women's Media Day, and the men follow on Wednesday. Jerem Spencer and the guys on location. That's how we do it tomorrow from Kansas City.
Coming up, happy birthday to which notable campus figure that we're showing B-roll of right now? Wonder who it could be. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> He's the best! BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on, uh, on a Monday after the TCU loss. Okay, Big 12 Roundup. No time to go through all the picks. Let's just say I ended up with negative one with the missing the super picks. You're better than one. that. No, I'm not. Uh, I, it's halfway through the season. I've shown you what I am, Dave. I suck. Let's go. Okay, uh, Spencer wins again. He is up 5-1 on the season. Prop picks, uh, we both tied, so no one wins. Spencer is still up 2-1. Let's get to some more mailbag uh, questions. In fact, just one. Our elite question of the day. Presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Kelly Hatch on Instagram. Once the fourth quarter started, then what? BYU's down 30-plus. Why didn't yeah. they get a backup quarterback in for some game reps? Keaton won't be here next year. None of the backups have played in a game in this offense. I think Finnegan came in for just a couple of snaps at in some point. SUU. Yeah, yeah. but uh, a legitimate question. Why not? If I'm Aaron Roderick, I'm saying I'm trying to spark this offense into next week. We need to get something going. Jake Retzloff, I know they want to preserve a red shirt. That would be four or fewer games played plus a bowl game possibility. But with only seven left, perhaps it was time to see a little Jake. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have understood uh, him playing or not, and he didn't play. they got to get in a groove, that's yeah. for sure. Hopefully that groove getting into starts in the first two or three possessions of Saturday night. Um, but you're get, right. Not the first, just two or three? Yeah, just give a little <laughs> leeway. Uh, you know, because things are going to be pretty anxious in a full house yep. Saturday. But um, it's going to be another night for the ages. Okay, today's Rise and Shout-Out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Happy birthday to the greatest mascot in the history of this planet, Cosmo. Literally the best. I cannot wait to see what he does every home game. The consistency over time with Cosmo has been spectacular. And now fire is like a real thing for Cosmo. That, that is, he's, he's a bit of a pyro now. I love At it. At the end of every meeting, it's like, <laughs> but then should we add fire? Yes! Our thanks to today's guests, Trevor Mann, Chase Emil, Daniel Swartz. Conversation continues on all our social media outlets. For Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Katie Fellow. Stay tuned for Coordinator's Corner on the BYU TV app coming up later. Sorry, Dennis, ran out of time.